0: my grandpa, Clyde Pritchett. How are you doing this evening? Great. It is currently Christmas. It is. And it's pretty, pretty nice weather for back Christmas. Nice for Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we're here to do a special kind of limited, not probably not limited series for Outsiders Podcast, but it'll be, we're just going to be talking to pastors, a local and not so local now, but you were a local pastor for, what was it, 21 years? Yeah. 21 years. Yeah. So that was, so I thought, why not start off with the the big guns? Start off high. The old man. The old man. But just tell us a little bit about you, what you're doing, who who you're married to. I'm married to Linda for 58 years. That's a lot of, that's pretty good. Yeah. No one's, a lot of people can't really say that now. That's true. But yeah. But what do you do now?
1: Well, I fill pulpits quite a bit. I retired about four years ago. I actually worked part time at Walmart, which has been really good because gives me access to a lot of unbelievers, and I've been able to witness a lot there. Periods of time, I might preach five or six Sundays in a row, and then I don't preach for a while. We're involved in a church, a really good church, and as worshipers, and really enjoy that. So that's the story of my life now. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's good. Um, so we'll just dive into these questions. Yeah. But number one is, how did you come to know Christ? Like, What's your testimony?
1: How did I come to know Christ? Well... You have to understand that I was raised in a non-Christian home, an alcoholic home. My father was a functional alcoholic. He worked, but he drank, and we were poverty-stricken. Growing up, I had five older sisters and me and my mom and dad, and I never lived in a house with a bathroom in it until I was married. That's how poor we were. Mm-hmm. And we were not involved in churches at all. I didn't, I had no knowledge of... The Bible I had no knowledge of church, really. When I was 27, not quite 27, a young Baptist preacher came and to my house with appliance repairmen repairman that went to his church. We knew him, and he was brand new to the ministry. And they came, and he gave me the gospel, the first time I'd ever heard the gospel, and was very aggressive, very pushy in it.
0: Kind of like a, kind of like a salesman. Yeah, pretty ways.
1: much, pretty much. But I don't know if God really touched me at that time, or whether it was an emotion or what. But there was some manipulation that went on in that situation, and I prayed. I'd never prayed in my life, as far as I know, in a lot at all. Yeah. And uh, then, though, the guy made a mistake, and he said that the very next Sunday now, you are going to come to my church, and you are going to come down front and make a public profession, and you are going to be baptized. Well, being a total unbeliever, no church background at all, all he did was make me mad. And so I uh, said, well, let me tell you something. You, both of you, have about five seconds to get out of my house, or I'm going to throw you out. And they left. But the holy spirit didn't leave mm. and over the next several months the question would come to my mind which he had used in his gospel presentation if you were to die before morning where would you be mm. and i never had an answer for that i just wake up out of a sound sleep in the middle of the night i never had an answer for that and I can't explain this because people ask me when I came to Christ, and I was, I didn't. Christ came to me. I wasn't looking for him. He was looking for me. And one night, I came home from work in the grocery. I was in the grocery business then for 12 years, and I came home, and my two kids were in bed already because I worked late. My wife saved my supper and got it ready for me, and... And she went to bed, and so I was sitting up trying to wind down a little bit, and I couldn't find anything to read, and I was eating Orioles and drinking milk, and had my dog beside me and in the chair, and I looked over and I saw a Bible study and a and a Bible that my wife had been using. She wasn't a Christian, but she was going to a Bible study down the street at somebody's house, and so I picked it up, and it was the first lesson was simply a presentation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh the question was, you know, who has sinned? The answer was found in Romans three twenty-three, uh, so on down the line, the whole plan of salvation. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know there was an Old and New Testament. I had never heard John three sixteen. Mm-hmm. But as I I would look up the scriptures by going to the table of contents, and then I would go to the page number, oh, yeah, yeah. and then I would read the scripture. And as I went down through that study, and I don't know how long it was or anything else, God just came. Yeah. God just came. He just came and engulfed me with his presence and his love and his acceptance. And I I remember talking in my mind to God. I never bowed my head. I never opened my mouth. And some people say, well, that's not really prayer. Well, I think God thought it was.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, my story is pretty similar to that, too.
1: Yeah. So anyway... I can remember saying to God, as I read your book, it tells me that I'm on my way to hell, and I would rather not go. Yeah, That's pretty profound. I
0: say, that's for, for, <laughs> someone that, for someone that's not been raised in that, it, yeah, pretty it's true. pretty profound. Yeah.
1: But anyway, and then a little later on in that evening, I said to him, I said, God, for what it's worth, I think I'd like to follow you the rest of my life. Yeah. And it was a, it was a just a wonderful sense of peace and joy that I didn't know even existed. Mm-hmm. I got up and went to bed, and then I had no idea what had happened to me. All I knew is God showed up for some reason. Yeah. Got up the next morning, and God was still there. And apparently the the change in me was so profound that I went to work in the grocery store the next day, mm-hmm. and one of the women that come in there on a regular basis looked at me and she said, "Well, what's different about you?" And I said, <laughs> "Nothing, nothing." No. she's "No no, there's something no, there's different so, about you." Yeah. And I said, "Well, God reached down and touched me last night, and then she didn't want to talk anymore <laughs> after that
0: but it's, uh it's funny that that's that's a pretty common thing now, yeah sometimes I haven't really much changed in that in that in that sense because sometimes people don't want to hear it still,
1: oh yeah yeah so, pretty normal yeah I began to have a really strong desire to go to church which I had never had before yeah never had any problem at church I just didn't have any use for it I started reading that old Bible that my wife had mm. and man it just made sense it had never made sense before yeah. you know before I'd try to read a little bit of the Bible and I'd start up in uh, Genesis and get up to the begatitudes, <laughs> and then I'd quit. I thought, well, I'll, re- I'll read the last book when so it comes out, <laughs> yeah. and so I go back into Revelation. That mistake. really, that really helped me a lot, you know. But anyway, I was born again, and I just didn't know what it was at that point. But oh, yeah. I started going to a little Nazarene church two blocks, or well, half a block from our house, okay. and loved it. And I mean, it's only like fifteen or twenty people. Sure. And loved it and I just fell in love with God and he loved on me. Yeah. That's awesome. When
0: did you know that you're gonna be called into ministry then? Well that's an interesting I guess the, question. what was the what was the gap between obviously the and, conversion and to, like here's the call.
1: Within a year I knew. Okay. Within a year. Cool. But there's a caveat here because before I was even saved, before I ever became a Christian, mm-hmm. my wife had been raised up in a Methodist church. Oop. And we would go out there and periodically, little country church, we'd go out there and visit mm-hmm. things. And I was a pretty wild child long about that period of my okay. life. And yeah. Anyway, but we'd go there and the preacher would get up to preach and step into the pulpit. Something in my mind back there would say, that's what you should be doing. Okay. And I would almost laugh out loud because yeah. I thought, I'm not even sure there's a God. Why would I want to do that? Yeah, and so I think I'm assuming that that was the Holy Spirit way back then. Mm -hmm. I began to have a strong desire to preach within the first few months that after I was saved. Okay, and uh, within a year I knew for sure. Yeah, and then had to wait another year before I went off to Bible college because we were in the middle of. Remodeling our house, we had to finish that sort of it. Mm-hmm. It's a rather unusual story.
0: Yeah. So what so you said that you were a part of the you well, you went to Nazarene Bible college.
1: Went to Nazarene right. Bible College.
0: And then what so then what was the transition from being in the Nazarene denomination to becoming more evangelical, which is evangelical probably thing. yeah, which is probably more Wesleyan. And I think Nazareth's well, Wesleyan. I said they're probably they're both the same. Or okay. the difference. Yeah, well. <laughs> What was the transition from that?
1: Well, you have to understand that I had pastored one, two, three churches okay. by then. Okay. I had finished a degree at Nazarene Bible College. I had finished a degree at Mid-American Nazarene University mm-hmm. and then finished a graduate degree at Nazarene Theological Seminary. Okay. But there was no problem. I just, as I, we were at our, our church in Kansas City there, for eight years, Mm -hmm. and I just felt like it was time for us to move on. And any church that was offered to me, we didn't feel like it's where God wanted us. Mm -hmm. Any church that we thought we might be interested in, wasn't interested in us. Mm -hmm. And then through a number of circumstances, acquaintances became familiar with the Evangelical Church and met with their conference superintendent, fell in love with him and his wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, they offered us a a two-point charge in 1997, Mm -hmm. the Evangelical Church in South Sioux City and Hinton
0: Evangelical Church.
1: And I actually did that for 10 years, Pastored two churches for 10 years. And then God just released me from the Hinton Church, Mm -hmm. and that was about time that the youth group went crazy. In the evangelical church, and people started getting saved everywhere, yeah. and we ended up the last eleven years down here, so a total of twenty-one years yeah. here,
0: which is good, which is a huge stint at one church. That is. you know, That is. You know, I, I can. I mean, I think our pastor is thirty plus now, which is it's a blessing from the Lord to have one teacher, especially guiding a flock of like new Christians too, with our with our experience from having no youth group and. All that to blowing up to having what eighty yeah, plus most of the time. time. Yeah, at times. And so I, I think that's a it's a beautiful story to and a beautiful story of God's grace and His sovereignty over all things. But so through this being a minister and a preacher of the word, what's the greatest joy? What is the greatest joy that you've had? Well, the greatest joy is
1: seeing people come to Christ and yeah. see their lives transformed. You yeah, know? that's always the greatest joy. Yeah. Uh, apart from your own relationship with God, mm-hmm. that's not kept fresh. Yes, where that joy is is being poured into you. Yeah, then it can get pretty mundane. Mm-hmm. But, but as far as work of the ministry, for me, the greatest joy is seeing people come to Christ and grow up in Him. Yeah,
0: that's good. What's been the hardest thing to be a pastor?
1: Well, probably the hardest thing is that some people, you know, seem to start with Christ and then. Drift off, mm-hmm. go a different direction and yeah. end up messing their lives all up and all that. And you can see it coming and you yeah. warn them. Yeah. It still happens. Yeah. And then, of course, it's just every day we're in terror and tear deal with people. Yeah. People are problems. And yeah. that's why we have pastors. Yeah. You know, I've had young pastors say to me, man, I didn't know there going to be so many problems. Well, that's <laughs> why you are there. Yeah.
0: You know? Well, I think this is coming from like more of a like worship leader kind of idea. It's like twenty percent music, eighty percent. So yeah, I can see, and even like me being, say, a lay person or whatever. That's still tough to see people f- fall away. Oh yeah, and then you wonder if, I'm like, well, were they really all in it from the get go? You know. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would that is a tough one, or or just seeing like like the infighting too. Oh yeah, you know, and
1: you'll always have that. Yeah, because of people, I mean, because you're dealing with people, yeah. people that are at different levels in their walk or God, if they're walking with yeah. God.
0: Which that I've been, I feel like I've been learning that more often than not to just show more grace to say like newbie Christians yeah. or whatever, be like, I don't think that's right, but just walk together with it instead of starting and fighting or bickering about yeah. sometimes yeah. nonsensical things. Modeling. Yeah. it.
1: There are not many things in, in life that I bleed over. Yeah. And in ministry,
0: there were even fewer. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't worth that. Yeah. I don't
1: think God calls us to. To bleed over every little thing.
0: Yes, I would agree. I would agree with all that. So where do you you see God taking the modern church? Because we're seeing a big shift in our culture of maybe more cultural Christianity to maybe Christianity being more of a threat to the culture, since it's so opposite of the modern day. And it should be a threat
1: to the culture. Yes. The way our
0: culture is, particularly.
1: Yeah. And it appears to me, as I look around, in a variety of churches that I preach in and then just get to worship in like last night with Mm -hmm. two different Christmas Eve services. And God's raising up some young people now, which he has to. Yes. We don't last forever. No. (laughs) And and he's raising up some very committed, very sharp young people. He is changing the approach to ministry. In many ways, the the pandemic forced a lot of this now Mm. because we are now having to do a lot of things but we had to do a lot of things online, which most churches weren't doing anything like that on Facebook Live and things like that. So all of a sudden, instead of you hitting 150, 200 people in your building, mm-hmm. you might be hitting a thousand. Yeah. Because you get all these hits on there. Not, not everybody stays and watches the whole thing. Yeah. But we've had to make, uh, you know, had to be adjustments made and there will be much, there will be many more along those lines. But God always has something new going on if we just,
0: hook in with him mm-hmm. you know find out what he's doing and join it yeah. i think there's a plus side to the digital age and there's obviously a negative side of the digital age as well because i think there's a need to be together in a building physically doing service doing life together but there's also a great need for people that maybe aren't ready to come back and i would just say like how would you en- how do you engage this kind of like this or that kind of culture now, at least in the church?
1: Well, it's necessarily an either or. I think it's both and. I I think people should be, I think you're right. People need to be together. Mm -hmm. God, God is the one who created the church Mm -hmm. and created us to be together because iron sharpens iron, the scripture us. you know, and one man sharpens another. And if we're not together, we can, we can act like we are just everything there is, you know, Mm -hmm. and truthfully. We may not be growing up in Christ at all. Yeah. But believe me, if you're gonna deal with other people, you better be growing up in Christ.
0: Oh yeah. I mean that's even that's even going to your job or dealing with the family. Yeah. Or just dealing with neighbors. Like that goes with all of life, I would think. But I just I think I see seen at least in my my age range, that there's just a desire to do something. Do something meaningful. Yeah. Or to do something that maybe is not happening. Like maybe engaging culture the way and not hiding back and not critiquing as much and maybe just approaching the culture and saying, here I am. Yeah. And I'm moving, not faltering, but like being there, like being in the culture instead of like shying away or being because like of different ideological beliefs or stuff like that. And just approaching people and asking them questions on what they believe and like why they believe it and just listening. I think that's a big shift I've noticed is like, just, just more listening instead of just jumping up and spouting off whatever you listened to on the last podcast you listened to or something mm-hmm. that, you know?
1: Well, yeah. And you're right in that there's avenues for us to reach into the community. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one-on-one communication is still yeah. the best. Oh, yeah. With me at Walmart, in our department, we have about 50 people. Mm-hmm. And 95% of them I have talked to at one time or another about their souls. Sure. And they're coming and going all the time. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's been real interesting because I've had some of them come to me and ask me to pray for them. Yeah. And others that are saved, there are some others that are saved in there mm-hmm. that are encouraged. And as far as coming together to worship in a building, it's, I mean, there's such great encouragement there. And that only comes from what God has ordained. And that's yeah. what he did. However, there is the opportunity out for outreach through the digital age. You know? Oh, yeah. And there's probably things that are going to happen that you can't even imagine yet with oh, that.
0: I can barely keep up with it. Like even being almost 30, i thought like I've been trying to be more digital, digitally minimal yeah. and not be really involved in any kind of the digital stuff and be more like one-on-one with people instead of, just cause I, that's where I've seen the greater impact. And like, it's easy to get sucked into like the anger culture of right or left, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. liberal or conservative. Yeah. Go, I don't, I think. Like you said, I think there could be a there could be a beautiful marriage between the two. Yeah, only if we seek the Lord through the through all of that. All right. So, last and final question for you is: What since pastors are notorious book readers, what they are your, yes, they should be. What are your top five favorite books?
1: Well, let me say this: If you're going to pastor, you better be a reader. Mm-hmm. You need to be reading and you need to be studying all different kinds of books. And let me just say this. And this sounds a little trite, but the first book, and I've read thousands of books
0: yeah. over the years. I mean, you should have seen his office. only two
1: years of ministry. But the most important book is the Bible, and that yeah. sounds a little trite. But we need to be we need to be people who are wearing our Bibles out, and not just for preparing sermons and and Bible studies, but to feed our own soul and just to let God speak into us, because there's life in the Word. Mm-hmm. So the Bible is. The ultimate. Mm-hmm. That's the first. For me personally, anything by Oswald Chambers. Okay. I've been reading Oswald Chambers every day since 1974. That's, that's pretty impressive. I've been reading something of his every day since 1974. And the, the, there's an updated version of his life. That was printed a few years ago. That's just excellent to read. Mm -hmm. And that's inspiring. But anyway, that's my favorite of all writers. Mm -hmm. You know, another book that came to my mind, because they just, I just let them pop in, Mm -hmm. was The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard.
0: Dude, I've been reading The Discipline of the Spirits by Dallas Willard.
1: Yeah, anything by Dallas Willard is really, really good. Now, he's gone to heaven now, he died suddenly. But that's Divine Conspiracy is just an excellent, excellent book. Mm-hmm. Another one is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Again, anything by C.S. Lewis I love, you know, but that was the, mm. the my most favorite. One of the things, one of the, the books that helped me the most in my walk with God in my prayer life early on was called With Christ in the School of Prayer by Andrew Murray. Okay. If you— want to know about intimacy with God, if you really want to know about a prayer life, Andrew Murray is the guy to read. Mm -hmm. And last of all, this is not a single book, but if, uh, well, your friend last night Mm -hmm. kind of pointed to this, if you're going to walk and grow in Christ, you need to study theology. Yeah. And you need to keep fresh with it. Yes. And so I could go on forever with books. Well, yeah.
0: Awesome. Do you have any final thoughts on... Or encouragement? Well, if they're
1: in full-time Christian ministry, just hang in there with keep your hand in Christ and uh, let him give you the peace that passes understanding and let him work. I heard a, a, a preacher say years ago that I really liked. He said the key to ministry, and he had the credentials to show this, is to just find out what God is doing in your area and then join him. Yeah. And I think that's rather than asking God to join. So, yeah, that's really good. That's it.
0: Awesome. Well, it's a blessing. Yeah, thank you for coming on and doing this interview. I appreciate it. It was hopefully it was hopefully it was pretty smooth. Hopefully this will sound pretty good. But
1: yeah, you know you can always edit it when you're reading. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that's, it. That's one of the things about doing the recordings rather than live. <laughs> doing live out there. There ain't no editing.
0: Well, this has been Outsiders Podcast. Tune in for our next episode on holiness. Our next episode will be on rule of life. Give us a like and a couple stars on Apple Podcasts and we we'll a look at our name.